Welcome to Changing Your Dreams, Parenting a Child with Special Needs, a podcast where we shine a light on the unique grief of special needs parents that few people recognize and no one really talks about. I'm your host, Laura Kitts. How do we live a beautiful life with chronic stress and grief? How do we nurture ourselves while we nurture our children? How do we make ourselves a priority when they need so much? My guests and I will discuss this chronic, ever-renewing grief, transforming your dreams, and how to take care of yourself along the way when parenting a differently abled child. Today's guest is Sarah Reckman. Sarah is a social worker with over 10 years of experience in mental health and the mom of two little girls who love life. She's on a beautiful journey, reclaiming freedom from anxiety, pursuing a meaningful career, and embracing each new stage of motherhood. She created the blog, The Wholehearted Mom, to support moms who are experiencing stress, anxiety, and burnout. Her passion is for moms to be able to embrace calm and declare abundance, clarity, and joy over their life and motherhood. This episode is packed full of great information, so many nuggets of wisdom, and concrete action steps toward reducing stress. Thanks for joining us. Let's get to it. I'm really looking forward to talking with you today because we spoke recently and you have a lot of really cool things to share with my listeners. Um, And we connected because um, you have some valuable resources and information um, for my listeners on self-care. And Mm -hmm. so first, before we dive into that, will you just give us a quick snippet of um, what you do? Yeah, so um, I'm a mom of two. I have two daughters, four and six, which is a really fun age. Um, By day, I'm a clinical social worker counseling uh, youth and families in the high schools. And then on the side, um, I'm a mom blogger. Um, So I have a blog called The Wholehearted Mom at sarahreckman.com. And uh, over 10 years of experience in social work um, with a specialization in mental health. Um, But on a more personal note, Um, I have experienced postpartum anxiety after my second daughter's birth. Um, So I've really been on a journey of recovering from that and understanding how to take care of myself, how to manage stress and anxiety, um, which has really given me a new lens of um, both lived and personal experience, um, as well as that professional expertise, um, which I love to offer moms. It's also kind of where my passion um, for supporting moms in my blog came from. I really want moms to be able to um, not struggle as hard with that anxiety, stress, and mom burn. Um, so your youngest is four. So you're you're a little ways past that journey. You're you're in a place where you probably are really healing if you've been working on this for a while. And you're in a yeah, I'm I'm fine. With the postpartum. Yeah, I'm finally just starting to feel myself again. Um, it frustrated me that it took so long to get there, yes. um, especially being a social worker. I feel like I should know how to get myself out of postpartum anxiety. Um, but it's neat when friends comment and say, oh, you, you seem different. And it's like, yes, I'm healing and I'm, I'm taking care of myself. Um, and so it's been a beautiful journey over the past four years. So it's, it's, it is, it's visible to other people. Mm-hmm. We lose sight of that. And other people around us, I think, lose sight of that too, because it, it, those types of things are often a gradual process when we start going downhill um, in general in life. Um, obviously, after having a baby, it's a bit of a different experience. Um, but first of all, I'm very happy that you're feeling better. Um, Thank you. And interesting that you know you realize how hard it was to really come out of it and really do the work in real life versus um, teaching people how and and talking about it and learning about it, like you said, professionally. Um, So what's the difference um, for you personally now in that experience versus just the knowledge? So I think the difference is one understanding. (laughs) When I, there's, um, knowledge can only go so deep. And I think before I, I, I was always very empath, um, empathetic and I just, I had 
um, still this nurturing um, sense and ability, but you, you really can't understand it until you've been through it or experienced something similar to it. So the depth of understanding um, is eye-opening. Um, as well as when I, when I give um, students or when I give moms suggestions and tips and strategies, I actually know that they work because I've done them. And so I have that, that ability to say, no, like I've done these for four years and I'm finally seeing a difference. And I know these strategies work. I also know how hard they are to input into your life. So I, I know that journey um, as well as the ones that don't work and, or what ones might feel weird or kind of just what that experience actually felt like. That's awesome. And, you know, so much of our lives as parents with kids with special needs, um, obviously that's my audience. And so much of our lives is, is that phrase of people don't understand, like you don't get it because you've never had that experience. And Mm -hmm. we meet um, with a lot of people in our lives who that brings conflict. Um, You know, we lose family and friends over this type of thing because people just don't understand our lives um, and how hard it is and what we're going through, not just with our our child and and just meeting all of their needs, developmental, medical, emotional, everything. Um, But then we have our own needs, you know, just like you experienced with anxiety and we have depression and we have so much grief and so much guilt and just Mm -hmm. layers and layers and layers of emotional um, stuff and our own trauma from uh, oftentimes, um, depending on the situation with our kiddo, many of us have PTSD. Um, So it's, it's really hard (laughs) to deal with, you know, all of that stuff. So in with now all of your experience, your knowledge and your personal experience, um, Talk to us about how you, you know, what you teach and what you uh, would share with, with parents on what they could do about that. Yeah. And the first thing I want to say is that, um, and I don't have a special needs child. I will acknowledge that. So I don't understand that. Um, And at the same time, I understand that as a mom, if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't be available for our family right? Like I, I, I've seen the impact that that has on my kids. When I don't take care of myself, my family doesn't do as well. I don't do as well. Um, and I've had to learn to give myself permission to take care of myself, right? It is okay to stop and take the time to take care of yourself and to make yourself a priority. Um, I love the analogy of putting, um, the, the oxygen mask on yourself first from an airplane. Like if I don't take care of myself um, and then I can't take care of my family and my children. And so I think that's. And so special needs parents, because I've lived this for uh, decades, I will tell Mm -hmm. you our first answer is I don't have time for that. My kid needs so much for me all the time. And I've got two other kids and then the guilt that I don't give them what they need. Um, And I have a husband and I have two dogs, you know, I don't have, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. I just don't, there's no, there's not enough hours in the day. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, so there's three things that I've really found have helped me to kind of, um, accomplish this self-care or to make time for self-care. And those three things are simplifying um, my home, um, simplifying my time and simplifying my mindset. Um, so I'm going to go into home first, just because I think that that's kind of where we spend most of our time as a family. And that's also usually the easiest (laughs) is to simplify your home before you get to yourself. Yeah. I was just going to acknowledge that before, before we have to work on ourselves, definitely easier, maybe to clean a closet or something. (laughs) Oh yes, definitely. Okay. So Um, how does this, what does that look like? Simplifying your home? Yeah. So for me, minimalism has been a game changer. Now, I know when I say minimalism, lots of people roll their eyes or sigh because they think of having to get rid of all their things or they think of like the the minimalism documentary or um, they think about kind of these these pressures or like the Pinterest perfect minimalist house um, because it's such a buzzword these days. But when I say minimalism, I mean getting rid of things in my life and my home that don't bring me or my family joy. 
And the purpose of that is so I have more space in my life and my home for the things that matter. And I found this really interesting, but um, I was doing research um, on this and research actually shows us that clutter triggers our stress response system and causes stress in our body, which is crazy that we have, have, yeah, we have this physiological response to stress and, um, and clutter can be a huge component of that. And so um, I love both um, Marie Kondo, Mm -hmm. who I know is one of those buzzwords. I Um, love her. I, I, you know, and I love, I love this conversation. I'm learning things um, because I often teach my uh, people who are in my flight club, my membership uh, and people that I talk to about uh, self-care. I teach, I tell them to Marie Kondo uh, their selves, which, but it's going to, what you're going to talk about next which is the the self part um but i hadn't um ever taught about the you know your environment and your home but there's so much truth to that there's so much truth to that um i know for sure 100 my anxiety goes up every day Mm -hmm. if i walk into the kitchen and it's got papers and clutter and lunch boxes and school notebooks and everything all over the island and counters um, it makes a huge difference when that's clear and clean versus yeah. a cluttered mess. And I think too, we say it, it goes, it covers two things. One, the, the stress response system and causing that stress in our bodies. And two, it's time. Everything we own takes time. It takes time to clean it. It takes time to put it away. It takes time. And so when we have less, then we have more time and more space in our brains to experience the things that, that we want to experience. And for me, uh, Marie Kondo, I actually fell in love with her and read her book long before her Netflix special came out. And so when everyone started folding things the Marie Kondo way, <laughs> the KonMari way, right. I was like, what is happening to Instagram? And then all of a sudden I realized she had put out this Netflix documentary and every it was this new fad now. But she has a book that I really, really like, and I can't think of the title right now off the top of my head, but um, it's, it's a nice deep dive into understanding why you want to get rid of stuff and not just because of the surface level, but really kind of that journey of does this serve me? Does this bring me joy? Like, is, and is there expectations or is there um, shame or like our objects also carry a lot of weight and meaning? Um, and so am I keeping this because I feel like I have to, or somebody gave it to us and we feel guilty about getting rid of it. Like there's a lot of weight in our stuff. And so I feel like when we can release that from ourselves, um, it just gives us kind of this freedom. So another person I also really like to follow on minimalism is Ali Kasaza. Mm, Um, yeah. And so, um, she talks a lot about, um, again, she has things in her life that she, she's like, you would look around my house and I love plants and I love art. And you would see my house and think that doesn't look minimalism, but she's like, the the focus is that I've gotten rid of the things that don't serve me and everything in my house. I really love or serves a purpose. Mm -hmm. I Um, love that, that you gave that example, because that's the important part. That's the crux of the whole thing. It doesn't mean getting rid of all your stuff. That's not what it means. It just means giving, getting rid of all this stuff, whether it be mental or physical stuff um, that just isn't serving you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I'm I think reading too- a book right now that, that talks about that exact same thing. And, um, and I'm going to be working through it because it's kind of a week by week, you know, you have to do this chapter this week and do all the stuff and spend the time on it. And, uh, but first I'm just reading it through and then I'm going to go back and, and spend the week by week. And so I, I know that in my future is the clearing of the space, the, the, the closets and the drawers and the, the counters. So I'm really looking forward yep. to that <laughs> because yes. it's been a while since we've done a nice purge here at the kids' house. So it's going to be quite welcomed. Um, but it's yes. the exact same thing. You can't make room for abundance or for other things to come in joyful things, happy things, things you want, if you've got all this stuff cluttering up your space in your mind. So yeah. I love that. Thank you for bringing that to the forefront because I hadn't really thought of it in the, in the um, you know, frame of self-care. Yeah, you're welcome. And I think too, um, kids play better 
And, and kids play with things longer if they're not overwhelmed by the stuff around them as well. I was getting so frustrated that my daughter would just dump buckets. And I was like, why are you dumping buckets? Like, but she wouldn't actually play with this stuff. And then I realized when I started to pare down on toys and in their playroom, they now sit there and play longer because they don't feel overwhelmed by the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my living room, I used to think if I had company coming over and I needed to get ready and clean my space, super stressed because it just was like, oh my goodness, this is like an hour of cleanup. I don't have time for this. Um, but now I can do my, my whole main floor in 10 minutes and it's such a nice, nice. feeling. Yes. And Good. everything. Yes. It's so, it's so nice. So, so we call it the 10 minute pickup. And so before dinner, my kids and I do the 10 minute pickup. We crank on some fun music and they can get involved because one, there's less stuff and two, everything has a place. And it's just, it's been a huge weight off of my shoulders in terms of being able to have that space for myself and for my family. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So, yeah. that, so that's step one of your minimalism plan, right? Yeah. What, what is step two? So number two is simplifying your time that's a little bit harder. <laughs> um, and I heard this, this quote, is what I t- but this is the piece that's critical for special needs parents. And this is what I, yes. ask, because remember earlier when I said their first response is going to be, I don't have time. Right. So here we go. Lay yes. We never have enough time. We're always chasing time and um, motherhood is forever, right. but the time that we're actually raising our children when they're young, those teachable moments, it's so short. And so we want to be able to be there for, um, for those moments. We want to be present. We don't want to be so stressed and overwhelmed. And so, um, this leaves us feeling like we don't have the space or time to care for ourselves. I get that. Um, that is always the response I get from students, from moms. Like I don't have time. I don't have time to do this, but we can't pour from an empty cup. And so we need to find that time or we need to make that time for ourselves. And a lot of people say, yeah, but I, I like, I've already pared down my schedule. Like I, I don't have anything else left to cut out. And um, I learned this really neat strategy and it's, it's more about simplifying our time by reprioritizing tasks as opposed to eliminating things because that can also stress us out when we think we have to cut things out. Um, overwhelm doesn't come when we assume, or sorry, overwhelm comes when we assume everything is equally important. So at the end of the day, when we look at our to-do list and we realize we only got a couple things checked off, we feel exhausted and crappy and deflated. Mm -hmm. But when we're able to do activities that fill our non-negotiables, so those things, Ali Kassaza talks about this, those non-negotiables are those things that you say, okay, these are my non-negotiables for the day. I have to get these done. And I always have to preface that list isn't what you think it is. Dishes, laundry, those things may not be on that list. It may be reading a book with my child. It might be laughter with my child or being able to sit and be present in doing a coloring sheet with them. Or I need to work out because when I work out, I have more energy for my kids, right? I make a list of those. Self-care has to be on that end of the list. Yes. It has to be first. Yeah. And then when we, when we get our non-negotiables in and we look at our to-do list and we've got those done and the other things we haven't, we feel different. We feel different at the end of the day because we haven't, um, we've accomplished those things that are important to us. And with this um, neat reflection exercise, sometimes we even find time that we were wasting. Um, and so this exercise is called, um, the pebble jar reflection. And I know it's used many times in uh, business, but I really like looking at it from kind of a home stance or kind of a mom's stance. Yeah. Do you want me to walk you guys through that? I do. I, I love this. I learned it first in college and then I uh, used it in the workplace uh, decades ago, but it's been decades. I really haven't thought of the big rocks um, yeah. in years. And so I was really excited when you reminded me of that. And I, and there's, I'm sure people who haven't ever heard of it and it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful exercise. And like you said, can be used in all parts of your life. So, so I'd love for you to lay it out for us. Okay. Awesome. So imagine on a table, there's an empty jar along with on the table is a pile of rocks, 
a pile of pebbles, and a pile of sand. So your job is to fit as much into the jar as you can. Now the catch is if you start with the sand, it's gonna fill up your jar and you're not gonna be able to fit any pebbles or big rocks in. And I think we can imagine at the beach filling a bucket, if that jar is full of sand, you aren't fitting a big rock in there. Um, and if you start with the pebbles, you're gonna get all the pebbles in and maybe some of the sand, but none of the big rocks. So the trick is to actually start with the big rocks, um, fill them up, then the pebbles will fall in place around the big rocks, and then finally the sand will fill any cracks or crevices that are left over. And so I'm gonna go through um, kind of what each thing represents. So the jar is a symbol of our time, which we all know is finite. We have a certain number of hours in a day. The big rocks um, symbolize the things that matter. Um, so the things that fuel us and give us energy that are life-giving and serve us. Big rocks, this is really important, big rocks don't necessarily take more time. A lot of people think these big rocks have to take time, but they just make us feel happier and lighter. They're, they're serving us and our family. So like I said before, an example might be laughter with our child, doing something silly, playing a game, reading a book with our kids, maybe going for a walk, uh, maybe doing a hobby that we enjoy, getting some exercise. So if you're listening and you have some paper, I invite you to make a list of your big rocks. So what are the things that fill you up and make you a happier, healthier mom? So those are the big rocks. And I think that, that this example makes it so much easier to understand what you explained right before this story, which is, you know, you call it the, the essentials or the, the non-negotiables of your day yeah. to make sure that you're doing those first. This puts it visually in our mind um, mm -hmm. to understand that those big rocks won't fit if you put the dishes and um, the sorting of the laundry and whatever in first, because that's sand. That's yes. it. That'll be there tomorrow. Um, yes. Yeah, so I love that. Okay, so the big rocks are the important things that you don't want to miss in your life. Yeah. I, I really don't care if I miss doing the dishes again in my life. Exactly. <laughs> but I do care if I miss that time with my kids. Yeah, and those are the things that your kids are going to remember too, right? They're not going to remember if the dishes were always put away or if your kitchen looked clean, but they will remember the times you sat down and read with them or played a game or was, was just present with them. Exactly. Yeah. So what are the pebbles? So the next is the pebbles. So the pebbles symbolize the things that um, have to get done. So these are like cleaning, cooking, laundry, making school lunches. Um, so these take energy and don't fuel us, but not doing them may have negative consequences. So I can't not make my kids school lunch. <laughs> that, that would be a problem. Right. So there are things in life that we do have to do. Um, and, and at the end of the day, they are priorities. And so we need to acknowledge that. Um, so these tasks are, um, yeah, they're things that you, that you need to do, but I also wanna keep in mind that um, they don't need to be done every day, right? Like we don't have to do the dishes every day or the laundry every day, but those pebbles are those things that are kind of important. So I invite you to next make a list of pebbles. And, um, like I said, one thing to keep in mind when you're making that list is your expectations. So um, when you make your pebble list, be really mindful of what your expectation around those pebbles are. So reflect on, okay, it, my expectation is that there's always, the laundry is always done clean and folded and there's no laundry in a basket. Well, that may not be a great realistic expectation for your pebble. Um, and so when we look at our jar and we look at how we fit those pebbles in, maybe you do laundry on Wednesdays and Fridays, or maybe you do laundry three days, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but just really understanding and reflecting those pebbles and not just making this huge list of everything you feel like is a pebble. Okay. Yeah. So that's helpful um, to understand the expectation piece around yes. pebbles because they, they do have to get done. Like I, I, earlier I said, the dishes are sand, but they're probably a pebble because when you don't do them after a while, it gets really ugly. 
<laughs> right. Don't recommend waiting a week before you wash your dishes, but they yes. definitely can wait till tomorrow. Sometimes I've exactly. Met, you know, there are people who just can't even stand one dirty dish in the sink. It just sets their anxiety off. And you know, that's a whole different situation, but for the majority of people, right. um, yes, I like to have the sink of dishes, but it doesn't always happen. And I let that go and I'd be okay with that. Yeah. And, and it's, and this is why it's a reflection exercise because somebody's pebbles, you might be a person who is like, I can't feel calm unless my kitchen counters are clean. Then that's a non-negotiable for you, right? Like that pebble is important to put in that jar for that day. And maybe it's laundry or cleaning your bathrooms or your toilet or making sure all the toys are picked up. Maybe you don't care if there's a pile of books on the floor until the next day. Like there's, it's a reflection on what for us works and what causes us stress with those pebbles. So it's different for everybody. And that's important to, exactly. especially on those cleaning type tasks, because like you said, some people have real issues with a certain thing that they just have to do. And, and so that's okay. Yeah. And the degree to which we do them is okay too, right? Like cooking dinner, non-negotiable, but you don't need to make a gourmet meal every time. Oh, Sometimes chicken fingers and fries are. They hate it. They <laughs> always have to eat. Three meals a day. Every day. I, I personally yeah. do not like to cook. So that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I know we always keep having to feed these little people. <laughs> I know. I know. It takes up so much time. But it's also okay to throw in a pizza. Yes. Right? And that's, that's the important so thing to remember. okay to throw in a pizza. Chicken fingers well, and fries are okay once in a while. Love it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that, Sarah. Yeah, we you're give, welcome. We give you all permission to throw in yes. a pizza or nuggets and fries now and then. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So let's talk about the sand. Okay. So, because the, the sand is the hard one, um, but it's also the one that's going to give us the most freedom. So the sand symbolizes things that take time and don't give us much in return. So they tend to be what we do to numb ourselves or tune out from our stress and the busyness of our world. This and is when you see your phone. Yes. So these examples are scrolling on social media, watching Netflix. Sometimes it's drinking too much wine at night. Mm -hmm. um, those things that don't serve us that um, actually are real big time suckers. And when I first did this exercise and I heard the person explaining it, I was like, I don't have any sand. Like, I, I don't, I can't think of sand like what, and then I, when I actually did the exercise and, and I encourage you to write them down now, but then to actually go through your day and record what's pebbles and what's sand that you're doing. I was like, oh, I spend a lot of time scrolling through Instagram when I just, I'm avoiding something or just need to just veg for a minute. Mm -hmm. And what other thing could I be doing instead that would serve me or fill me from that big rock list? That would be way more important. So when we turn um, or we turn to sand, when we are exhausted, but we don't realize how much of a big time sucker they can be and how much energy draining they are. Like when I leave Instagram after scrolling it, even if for five minutes, I don't feel good. I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel like I have more energy. And I realize every time now I pick up my phone and start scrolling, I'm like, oh, if I'm going to be doing this, I should be sitting down reading a book that I've been dying to finish, or I should be like painting my nails or having a shower or doing something that actually serves me. And so that, that sand is a hard reflection and maybe it might take you going through your day before you catch how many times you're doing it. Um, but you'll realize when you start to get rid of the sand and not put it in your jar, that's where you find your time. That, that's the self-care time between the cracks of the rocks and the pebbles. Yeah. And, and then you can that, fit that more is, in. That is the hard one. You're right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just was saying, then you can fit more into your jar, like more pebbles and more. And, and even if your jar is not completely full, you're like, oh, I have space in my jar now. I can put whatever I want in there. And maybe some days you want to put sand, right? That's not to say at the end on a Friday night, you don't want to veg and watch Netflix, but now, you know, you're aware that you have this space in your jar to put that sand and it's not happening to you. You're making that decision. Right. Uh, yeah. That's, that's a good point too. Touche with that because, you know, so often it's just that the phone and the scrolling, it, it's just so re 
reflexive at this point, just so automatic for so many of us. I've been making a really conscious choice. And, and on once my first step um, is going really, really well because I've been doing it for a while now. Um, but it was hard at first um, because the first thing I did every morning when I woke up was check my phone, check email, you know, just number one, make yeah. sure your school's not canceled for some reason or another, um, that I didn't get a text about that. And then, and then once you look for that, then you're like, well, I'll just check my email and well, I'll just quick check if I have anything on Facebook. And then it, you're so stressed out because you're seeing the news and everything else. And it's just a really bad start to the day. So yeah. I, I cut that out and I decided I'm not going to look at my phone, period, no matter what. Um, unless a, there is a chance of a snow day, then I quick make sure there's right. not sitting there. But, but, um, but otherwise, I don't check my phone at all until after I have done my yoga and my meditation in the morning. And that has made a huge difference, huge yeah. difference in just that switch of still checking the email and the Facebook and, the, and you know, Instagram accounts, but yeah. after I've served myself and my body is so much more calm and so much more ready for the day. And then I don't feel so super stressed out by the news and the stuff that comes in. Yeah. And I think too, if I had said to you, you need to try and fit a yoga and a meditation into your day, you'd say, I don't have time, right? Like where am I supposed to fit that? But then you look at your time and you realize, actually, I have this sand time of me checking my phone every morning and that, that time, that time I could use for self-care, right? And those, and that's a non-negotiable, right? Like I need to fit that in. My email in the morning can wait. Um, and Alika says, actually talks a lot about not checking your phone as the first thing you do in the morning, because what we do in the morning sets the tone for our day. And those phones are not good for us. Exactly. Um, they're actually created, um, they use the similar psychology as addiction. They're created to have us on them, right? That like the web, the Instagram and Facebook, they make money when we go on. And so they're created for us to be sucked into them. And so it can be hard to put them down, but it also means we need, we need to learn how to put them down um, and experience other things that fulfill us better. All yeah. right. So that's definitely the hardest one, but so yeah. rewarding when you accomplish even, you know, one of those things. And, you know, and there's a lot of sand, right? There's a lot, there's a lot of sand. It's little. And so it's easy to fit in all the cracks and crevices. And so you don't have to do it all at once. Like you don't have to, after you've gone through this exercise and look at your list of sanity and you don't have to like make this a, a conduit to feel guilty about. Um, no that you know we don't need any more guilt that's not the point no nope. it's, it's just to recognize because our first step in being able to make some sort of change and and to regularly and daily take care of ourselves requires a change and so if we want to do that we have to first recognize and be aware right and yeah so just knowing and having that awareness will will start to make changes. I will find myself, if I go, it's like, oh, hey, all the kids are like taken care of right now. And everybody's like happily doing something. I can sit down for five minutes. Holy cow. So I will go and I will take that moment to sit down for myself. And, and sometimes I will just sit and scroll my phone and I, but I've become aware of that. And so yeah. I will consciously tell myself, no, you don't need to do that right now. What you really need to do is to calm down your nervous system because you've had a super stressful day. And so mm -hmm. scrolling your phone isn't going to help your nervous system. Instead, you need to sit here with your eyes closed and just concentrate on breathing and relaxing. Yeah. Your and so being, you know, and that brings in mindfulness. And so being mindful, um, once you're aware, it just, it just changes things. So that's, a, that's, it a does. so I love this yeah. exercise. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you and I, I think too, people often, um, they say, well, how do, how do I fit some of those big rocks in? And um, the analogy that the girl gave when I did this exercise was that um, a mom found out that she loved, um, I think it was scrapbooking. And she found half an hour once a week to do scrapbooking. 
And that's all she could fit in. She could not fit any more in at that time in her life. But at least she had that one time blocked off. And that was her half hour to do something that filled her and that gave her energy. And so it's, it's also being creative in how we fit those rocks in. For me, I realized I have to make school lunches every day, right? And I always make them the night before because I don't have time in the morning. I've learned that. But I realized, so my husband takes the kids up for a bath and gets them in their jammies and I make school lunches. That's kind of how we have divided things. And I learned that that time is time I can have to myself. And so I love turning on a podcast and listening to a podcast while I make lunches and, um, or watching, I watch like a, a show or something while I'm making lunches. That is like, um, so I love watching documentaries or a side note, I'm, we're working on building some tiny homes. So I love watching the tiny home nation or like, there's just little things that little moments that I'm like, Oh, I could enjoy this task, this pebble and fit something in that I really want to fit in. That's exciting for me and, and filling for me with a pebble at the same time, right? Like there might be some creative ways um, to fit that in. Or maybe you have a, a child who loves reading and is learning to read and you say, okay, this is reading time. You're gonna sit and read your book right beside mommy and I'm gonna sit and read my book, right? Like just finding those creative ways to fit those big rocks in and to fit tasks in together is also a neat kind of thing to explore. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it so much. And, I, you know, I teach habit stacking. And so that reminds me of habit stacking. And so if you're making the lunch every single night, pair it with something that's joyful. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. So that was just step two of the minimalism steps, right? So we have clearing yes. our house. Yep. And this one is simplifying our time. Simplifying our time. Okay. And so the third one is simplifying our mindset. Mindset. So almost as equally as hard as It's getting real now. <laughs> this conversation is so good. We'll get right back to it after this. This episode is sponsored by Flight Club. Join a circle of friends who understand you and your life as a special needs parent. Combine that with monthly guest experts, live self-care accountability sessions with me, and easy, actionable assignments to help you emerge from the hard work, transformed, just as the butterfly from her chrysalis and you've got flight club. So simplifying our mindset is getting rid of those beliefs and thoughts that don't serve us. And I know as moms, we are so guilty for this, right? That, that inner critic um, and society puts a lot of pressure on us as moms as well. And so that, that shaming is there um, and those expectations are there. So um, in social work, and I'm going to throw in for our special needs parents, there's so much guilt. Yes, we carry so much guilt, an incredible, enormous amount of guilt for a wide variety of reasons, but it all stems, it's all really related to uh, the, the special needs mom aspect. So this is where it comes in. Yeah, and I, and I think as a social worker, um, and this is a little off topic of the simplifying your mindset, but I think when we feel guilt, it's really important for us to understand. And Brené Brown is amazing at this. Am I experiencing guilt or am I taking on shame? Am I thinking if it's guilt, it's about a behavior. So I, I, I didn't make the right choice. I, I kind of messed up how I responded to that. I didn't do something I probably should have, but if it's, I'm not good enough, or I'm not doing this, like I'm not, it's about me, right? If, if I'm taking on that, I'm not enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not brave enough, courageous enough, good enough, then we're taking on shame and that is not ours to own. And so I think I work, I work really hard with moms on that when they say, I just feel, I feel mom guilt, I feel mom guilt. And I'm like, but are you taking on shame? Because we don't have room for that in our day. <laughs> and um that's a whole topic in itself. So if somebody does feel like that's really resonating with them, I would encourage them to go look at Brené Brown's uh, shame and shame shields. Um, because often when we think we have our days filled with guilt, it's actually shame. And we can also feel a lot of self-care and release if we can get rid of some of that shame. Awesome. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So um, our thoughts are so powerful. 
And in social work, there's so much research through like cognitive behavior therapy and dialectical behavior therapy on the power of our thoughts. And I would say that mindset is one of the most undervalued, but greatest impact strategies. And when we say mindset, a lot of people roll their eyes and they think, oh, like just thinking better isn't going to make the situation easier, but it, it actually does. And there's science behind it. And what we, um, we create, um, what we call in kind of cognitive behavior therapy, core belief, um, core beliefs or rules for life. And these thoughts and beliefs govern how we interact and perceive with the world. Sometimes um, these come from how we were raised or the life experiences we've gone through um, or who we surround ourselves with, um, as well as the society's um, pressures and expectations. And when with these core beliefs and these rules for lives, we can develop limiting beliefs or faulty thinking. So beliefs that don't serve us and actually cause us harm when we dwell on them and ruminate on them. And in order to take care of ourselves on a deeper level, we need to change our mindset and free ourselves from those limiting beliefs. So since our mama mindset is established, um, is an established set of beliefs and attitudes as well, created often by our past experiences of mothering. So how we were mothered or not mothered. Um, and then the moms we surround ourselves with, the moms in the shows we watch or the, the moms on Instagram we follow, as well as the pressures from our maybe mother-in-law or mom or family ex um, expectations. So this means in order to fully understand our mindset around these things, we need to reflect on our beliefs about motherhood. So I do this through a reflection that I just called the I believe reflection. And for this reflection, you're going to write down all of the things, positive and negative, that you truly believe about motherhood. So I say complete the following sentence. So I believe dot, 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 or a good mom is. So it might be, I believe a good mom never raises her voice. I believe a good mom is always put together. I believe a good mom makes her own organic baby food, right? Or I believe a good mom makes all the meals and takes care of the home all by herself. So what are those things that you truly believe about what a good mother is? So that's step number one. Okay. So then once we have that list, then we need to go through it and think, okay, which one of these, and this is hard work. This is not easy. And I wouldn't do this um, just quickly. I, I, would, I would set aside some time maybe some of your sand time to be able to sit and reflect on this. Um, so then we want to look through our list and say, okay, what, what of these are not realistic or what of these are not accurate? How can I change these statements about being a good mom? So maybe it's um, a, a good mom that loves her kids and sometimes raises her voice, right? Or a good mom um, tries her best, right? Like what, what realistic statements can we say about motherhood? Mm -hmm. And maybe you put an underline under ones that aren't real or aren't true or ones that you struggle with. Circle or highlight the ones that are, are serving you and are, and are good for you. Um, but really reflect on those beliefs because those beliefs are what governing the guilt, the shame, and um, how you perceive your time, right? They're, it's all connected. Yes. That's huge. And we just spent the month of January in my membership focusing on mindset and rewriting those negative beliefs, just like you just said. And so it's yeah. that, you know, the good mom, uh, you know, sometimes raises her voice maybe, but, but she yes. reads books every day or what? <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Um, and I believe firmly in the word and. Yes. Um, you know, you can be a good mom and put yourself first take care of your own needs that's not selfish so many moms feel like it's selfish um, to sit down and put their feet up or to you know read a book if there's dishes in the sink or you know yeah. those things but you can be a good mom and take care of yourself and um, yeah that's where this comes in is that believing in that um that mindset of that you are enough, like you said, you know, so many, I, I'm intrigued by the guilt versus shame um, scenario that you laid out in that um, 
feeling like you've not done enough for your child. You know, so much of our, our field to special needs moms is, you know, there's so much intense pressure um, to get our kids, you know, further along developing, um, you know, when they're so behind on, you know, hitting all their milestones or whatever the case may be, you know, there's so much yeah. pressure, um, you know, that they learn to walk and that they learn to talk and that they get potty trained and that they do all these things that may or may not be in their future. Right. Um, and so when they don't meet some of that, um, there's the constant, well, maybe I didn't do enough therapy. Maybe I should have done that. Um, that other therapy I learned about, but, but we didn't have enough money. I should, maybe I, we should have taken another job so that we could have afforded that. Um, you know, there's so much of that stuff that was constantly running in our heads that maybe right. we're not doing enough, even if we're killing ourselves, <laughs> running ourselves yeah. ragged, um, you know, appointment after appointment after appointment. Um, then you're like, well, did we have too many appointments? Was that, it? it's a vicious, you know, it's, it's never enough because, because my kid still has special needs. My kid is still behind. My kid still doesn't talk. Um, my kid's still in diapers or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so we have to find, you know, we have to find that peace and we have to find that, um, that knowing that we and our children are right where they're supposed to be. Yeah. And that we are enough and that they're enough, even if they never talk, even if they yeah. never potty trained, they're enough. They're enough and, and yeah. you're enough for all that, the love that you give to them. So, but that's a huge, it's a huge block for so many of the moms that I work with and talk to. Um, and so, it's just something that we need to keep saying in so many different ways all the time. So thank you so much for, for bringing that, um, bringing that up with your three steps to minimalism, finding yeah. space in your home, finding space in your time and finding space in your mind. Right? Yeah. I think the last thing that I would add to that mindset is that there's so much research and Renee Brown, as well as uh, Sean Aker, they both have really good uh, YouTube videos on this because um, uh, they went on TED Talk and is that we need to cultivate a mindset of abundance, right? I am enough, my child's enough. Um, and I think that one of the best ways to do that is to just speak truth into our life, whether that is scriptures, whether that is positive affirmations, whether that's quotes that we love, but just really having a set of positive words that we can tell ourselves when we feel crappy. So it might be, I'm a mom who is doing her best, or this is chaos and this moment will pass. I'm beautiful, strong, courageous, or I can get through this, or when I am stressed, I just breathe, right? Like, which is having these, these um, words of affirmation that we can just speak truth into our lives and encourage ourselves and be kind to ourselves um, because when we feel all that stress and all that guilt, we need to turn towards ourselves with kindness and compassion. And, um, and I think that the best way to change our mindset is just kind of filling ourselves with that positivity. Um, Sean Aker has an amazing TED talk on the power of those, of those positive words and of, um, of just positivity in our life, as well as Brené Brown talks a lot about gratitudes, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of thinking, um, instead of being worried, like, oh my goodness, like I have so many appointments, like I, I, can I make all these appointments being like, wow, I'm so thankful that I have a healthcare system where I live in a country where I can attend all of these appointments. Right. And just, even when it doesn't feel, um, it doesn't feel right in the sense that you're, you don't, you feel like you're neglecting the negative piece, but there's just such power in being thankful um, when I struggled with postpartum anxiety, I would have a lot of fear around um, my kids developing some sort of illness, um, like terminal illness that I wouldn't be able to, to stop. And that was just one of those things that were constantly went through my mind. And every time those thoughts came up, I learned to say, I am so thankful that I have children to worry about getting illnesses, right? 
And it feels so weird at first, but it does actually, science tells, shows us it actually changes the neurons in our brain when we can just speak those truths into our lives and focus on abundance, gratitude, and words of affirmation. Yeah, I love that. And it reminds me of um, several years ago when my sister was battling cancer. Um, I helped her to create affirmations um, to say all the time when she was feeling down. And so I would say, you know, her, you know, you need to say, I'm strong, I am healthy, I am living a great life. And she would say, I am, I am living a great life. I'm like, I know you believe that one but you need to say that you're strong too. And she's like, I don't, and then she would start to cry, you know, and she would say, I don't feel strong. I don't feel strong today. I was like, well, that's why you need to say it. Yeah. And so she started believing me and, um, and using it and would later turn around and um, tell me, you know, what a difference it had made over time um, hmm. in feeling like she could get through it. And, you know, she can do this, she can tackle this next thing and go through this next surgery and that sort of thing so yeah it does really it does yeah words are powerful words are so powerful and when we can fill ourselves with that positivity and that encouragement um, it can go a long way because we aren't always going to get it from our kids or the outside world right yeah you have to start with yourself first 100 absolutely yeah thank you so much sarah reckman it was lovely to thank you today I appreciate your time. I appreciate you walking us through your steps and your, um, your exercises too. And so I hope that everyone listening will take some time to write down their, their big rocks, their pebbles and their sand, start making some different choices because it really is a matter of choice where you spend your time. So that you can create. Yes. Yeah. And I actually have um, a free workbook on my website. It's called Mothering with Intention. And I do have the pebbles, rocks, and uh, sand analogy in there if people want to see it written out. Yeah. So where do we find um, your blog and your website? Where, where do we find you? Yeah, so I'm found at uh, sarahreckman.ca, or sorry, no, sarahreckman.com. Okay, dot com, um, you're a dot com. Okay. Dot com, yeah. And so Sarah with an H, so S-A-R-A-H, and then Reckman is R-E-C-K-M-A-N.com. And uh, on Instagram, I'm at the wholehearted uh, dot mom. The wholehearted dot mom. And yeah, that's and the blog, right? The wholehearted mom. Yes, the wholehearted mom. Yeah, and the and workbook it's on, actually it's on your website. Yes, with the with the workbook. Okay, yes. and we'll have and also addresses and and connections in our show notes too for anybody that wants to come back to this and find you. Awesome. Yeah. So it includes that um, guilt and shame piece as well in that workbook. I just wanted to highlight that um, because I think it's, um, it's a big one for moms. Great. Yeah. I'm going to definitely share that with my membership too. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for allowing me to come on and share with your community. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you for being here. If you want to learn more about how to take care of yourself along your parenting journey, or how you can better support those special needs parents in your life, you can follow me on social media, Lara Kitts on Facebook and at Lara.Kitts on Instagram. And that is spelled L-A-R-A-K-I-T-T-S. I also have a blog on my website that's worth subscribing to. Check it out at LaraKitts.com. Until next time, take care of yourself.